and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Parasite, directed by Bong Joon-ho, starring Kang Ho-sung and Woo Sik Choi, although to be honest, it's kind of an ensemble cast and there's a lot of names that, uh, you know, if I... We'd be here all day if I named them all, so um, I just chose to. But uh, uh, Isaac, how are you doing? I'm so disappointed that this movie didn't have a chest buster in it, but you know, you <laughs> can't complain. I, I'm good. I uh, had a lot of fun watching this movie. I'm excited to talk about it, excited to wrap up Korean Cinema Month and move into uh, horror, which yeah. again, which was a very fun month for me. I've always considered myself like like just too scared for horror movies but there's there's a there's a classy side of it i'm excited to get into it maybe watch some trashy stuff i don't know we'll see um but i'm I'm excited to close out this month i have a i have a lot of thoughts on korean cinema for casuals and i'm ready to get into it how about you cameron how are you i'm doing good um busy as always it's been kind of a uh crazy time um crazy last couple of weeks but um and it's it's going to be a crazy October too. But um, I did want to mention that we have something fun planned coming up. Um, we'll do sort of a more of an in depth post on it on our Patreon. But um, we are going to host kind of a community day uh, in October. We're going to decide when it's going to be. But um, basically, what we're planning on doing is um, we're planning on. Uh, watching a movie on Amazon, uh, and there's a there's a watch together feature, um, and we're all going to jump in a, a Discord call and hang out and talk and um, you know have fun during the movie, and uh, it should be a good time. And I think Horror Movie Month is a, a good place to do it because you know sometimes you it, it's actually horror movies are always best when you watch them with friends. To be honest, true, so true. Um, yeah, so I think it'll be a fun time. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But like I said, um, keep on uh, keep an eye on on the Patreon uh, for more information about that. And you know, we're gonna we're going to officially start a Discord server. Um, you know, it, it pretty soon. And you know, it'll it'll be a. I think it'll be a good time. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, having Discord will be fun for the community to submit questions and just communicate with each other and talk about the most recent episode i'm excited for it we'll probably sort of feel it out um i feel like discord is an easier platform to communicate than patreon it's not like i use the patreon app to message my friends or anything like that yeah that sound cameron i know there's like some there's something going off outside or something i don't know it's It's okay i'm not high pitched squeal i like i'm not even gonna judge i left my window open it is like so hot it's like (laughs) seven o'clock why is it hot in this house i have no idea i was i was complaining to you before you started recording and i was like you know what forget it audio quality out the window because (laughs) i'm dying if i didn't have any ventilation I would definitely just be a melted pile of bones by the end of this episode. So I think I, it might be someone's car, like an Amazon truck or something. Like oh, it sounds like it sounds like brakes that are very worn down uh, to me. But uh, yeah, stop interrupting my podcast, okay? Yeah, my I window's mean, I, not even open, so <laughs> it's it's very loud. Uh, wow. Apparently, yeah, that's um, surprising. Jeffrey Bezos is just working those guys so hard they don't have time to switch the <laughs> brakes, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> they're just like, yeah, just grind on the metal for a while. You don't need disc pads or whatever. Whenever I feel like the they probably sell those on Amazon, don't they? They sell brake pads. I'm sure. Yeah, that's true. Uh, where were we? Where were we? Oh yeah, that that event and uh, the Discord thing. Yeah, so we're excited to be launching it. 
Uh, it's going to be fun just to be able to communicate with you guys directly. I guarantee you, because there's notifications that we'll be messaging on there more on that. Patreon server is probably going to be open to the public, right, Cameron? Yeah. Um, you, you'll probably have to go through our Patreon page to join. That's pro- like, even if yeah. you're just a free listener, you can still uh, be a part of the Patreon. Well, we can make like a Twitter announcement or we'll, we'll try to make it accessible because I, I do want to have it to be kind of a, a hub for the community um, and kind of, uh, you know, make it more general audiences. We might have areas where, you know, it's patron only or whatever. But, um, you know, I think for the most part, I'd like to keep it open because it's fun, you know, and we can we can post memes. We can uh, we can put we you know, we can put movie recommendations tim smith can show us his his new blu-rays box sets that he always gets uh you know it'll be a good time the memes will be heavy i have i have no doubt that yeah that we'll have some good ones for you guys well cameron uh usually this is the part of the show where i ask you for a hot take about movies and in honor of parasite i'm going to ask you cameron what is the best mystic rock in film Mm. history give it to me yeah so when you said that, my first thought was actually um, <laughs> was actually Breaking Bad. I, I know you haven't seen it, but there's a there's a sequence where uh, Hank um, keeps mail ordering rocks to his house, and and he's very offended when his wife calls them rocks because they're minerals, Marie. Um, and it's it's very funny. Um, but I'm trying to think. I I think honestly. Um, uh, probably the the stone or the obelisk or whatever it's called in in 2001 is is a great iconic rock. Mm. Um, I think there's also rock bashing in schools in that movie too, right? Is that is that am I incorrect in that? Well, I have um, seen. I've only seen it once for the show. I'm pretty I think, sure. You know, in the beginning they ha- they hit him with the with the hammer, and then I think there's a, a rock smash at one point. I I could be wrong though, because I thought I thought there was a rock smash in. Uh, in Lord of the Rings, in Return of the King, remember when? Hmm. Uh, but but it's not. It's he he just chokes him to death. I you know I had a I had kind of a vague idea that there was you know someone getting their their head smashed in by a rock. Now, kind of like the the hammer question that you posed um, a couple weeks ago, I'm not entirely sure that I can remember too many movies where like someone gets their head bashed in with a rock. I can think of people getting their head bashed in with a bowling pin, uh, people getting their head bashed in with, you know, other large objects, but rocks, I I would say rocks are kind of rare in movies to get your head bashed in by. I'd like to see more rock bashing. I'm not saying necessarily rock as a weapon, right? It's a hot, like what is (laughs) the mystic rock? I know that you're just thinking in context of, of parasite. I, I think there are a ton of rocks, that are popular in, in films. But the one thing that I was thinking about when I was getting ready to ask you this question and my own personal take on it is like, you know, there's so many films that have like tiny little like gem rocks that like mm. glow. You know yeah, what I that's mean? true. Like from Avengers with the stone, like the infinity stones and whatnot. It's just like, I don't know, some rock that's glowing and therefore it's like, Ooh, there's, it's just got some ability. We don't know why. Right. See, I uh, always kind of hate that. That's, yeah, that's no, no, no. <laughs> I agree, but as I was thinking about it, I was like, are there any cool glowing mystic rocks that like I love in films? And, you know, 
the one rock that glows that has some sort of mystic ability with it that I love is from Temple of Doom. There's something iconic about those. Like they're very round. They're almost like mm. little dinosaur eggs that are glowing, you know? And I was like, oh, that, that's such a cool glowing rock. And it's also <laughs> not like it lets you punch through skyscrapers or anything. It's like, it's very unclear what exactly they do. Mm. Um, maybe, I mean, kind of similar to in Parasite where it's sort of like this object that, carries some sort of omen with it right um yeah it's except you know that rock isn't like worshipped per se (laughs) parasite but you know yeah uh yeah i gotta say the temple of doom rock that's that's my rock of choice cameron thanks for giving your hot take this is again cinema spectator you can support us at patreon.com slash ecfs productions throw a couple dollars our way get your question read on the air you'll especially get it read on the air because none of our patrons write in. Yes, I checked, patrons. I know that you think we don't check, but I check, okay? <laughs> you guys don't write in questions, so we just said, um, I think it's like the $5 level or something. You can uh, have your questions written in. You can vote on shows that we do for the exclusive commentary track, which is just at the $1 a month level. Sometimes you can get a free episode as well if we decide that the commentary track is boring. We like to give a free episode to you here and there. Uh, yeah, if you can't support us with dollars, we get it. Uh, you can just give us a rating on iTunes, tell friends and family. That's how the show grows. Cameron, it's time to talk about Parasite. Uh, and also, we're getting close to the end of the month here. We got to figure out one last Korean film for our patrons. Do you want to talk about that first before we get into the movie? Yeah, well, we're, we are going to watch another Bong Joon-ho movie. It's gonna. It's called uh, Memories of Murder. Um, it's a great movie. Uh, but I think that will kind of round out the month as sort of, I would say Bong Joon-ho is kind of the most influential filmmaker uh, from Korea, um, both in, in sort of a Hollywood context, because obviously he has he has a lot of renown in Hollywood, especially after Parasite. Uh, but even before, you know, he made, he made Snowpiercer, which, which was a a pretty big blockbuster. Um, and yeah. And so he kind of, he kind of, I would say has the lead in terms of, of Korean movies. So we, you know, we watched a couple of his movies. We watched, you know, old boy and we watched train to Busan, which is kind of the more modern take on, on things. Um, so I think, that'll be kind of a nice round uh, element. I mean, honestly, we could just do, we could have just done Bong Joon-ho and Park Chan-wook and kind of split it up like that. Yeah. Um, but I, I did want to give a little bit more perspective and I had never seen Train to Busan. So um, I feel like it's a good, it was a good round month, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of picking things, uh, you know, from a distance. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to finish with Parasite, I think that this is a perfect closing film to be talking about Korean cinema. We've really kind of only pulled from what you've defined as like Korean cinema new wave or something, right? What was it? What was it called? Is that right? Yeah, Korean new wave yeah. or Korean new cinema. Yeah. Which has only been in what, like the last 20 years, 20, 30 years? Yeah. I don't know what cinema in Korea looks like if like there's, I guess, a historical, like very old style of Korean cinema. I don't know kind of the history with that but it seems like they've really hit a stride in these last few years and it's exciting to see such creativity kind of flourish i we could take this in two directions cameron Mm -hmm. we can dive into parasite sort of the regular way that we do on the show where we just break down the movie or we can go direct into like the importance of this korean new wave thing and sort of my takeaway as a western viewer who i consider myself like more casual even though 
you know, you've began to show me a lot of movies that were like past 50 episodes at this point. Right. Um, I don't know. Do what do you want to review the movie and then get into sort of that, the send off of Korean cinema month? Does that sound good? Yeah, let's, let's do that last. Cause I think that that's an important topic and we could obviously spend a ton of time on it, but I think Paris getting into the, you know, this last movie as sort of in, in some ways, almost not a last hurrah, but in, you know, the, the last kind of significant Korean movie to come out, uh, you know, in the past couple of years and one that actually has, you know, more than just, its its own sphere of influence is kind of an is definitely an international success and um you know saw huge success over here so um i think it's important to discuss that and then we can kind of get into maybe what our take is on on korean cinema and sort of how we see it as different from from western cinema um cuz that's that's an interesting conversation too so um let's dig into to the movie first yeah yeah, well, I'll just give my impressions off the bat. I think that this movie is an absolute joy to watch, Cameron. I was just enamored with... It feels like it It definitely had... I mean, it's what was it, 2019, right? Yeah, um, originally, I think it came out... Oh, no, 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 yeah, it was, it was like Christmas 2019, I think. Yeah, this film just has the shiny, expensive look. It is gorgeous to watch. Oh my goodness. It is just stunning. I absolutely loved just sitting there and taking in the cinematography, the colors, the settings, the everything. I just I genuinely just found myself pulled in and there's so much energy with this movie and where it's going. It's trying so hard to contain its excitement as the movie continues. I think that's like mm. you can feel like the energy of you know the actors and the creators and the and, and the filmmakers they're all like filming in this house and they're like oh we're so excited for you to anticipate like to to see the explosion of drama and you're anticipating it it's just uh an exciting experience that i think genuinely it was like so important for me to watch the other movies to then see like kind of this pinnacle mm. moment right and parasite with its critical acclaim, right? It won uh, an Oscar, right? It won Best Picture. Yeah, it yeah. won. I think it won set a couple different Oscars. But yeah. Best Picture, Best Director, um, maybe one or two others. I think that this movie, and and I know that you know you you have your opinions about how people jumped on the bandwagon with this film, <laughs> but I I genuinely think that this movie deserves that kind of recognition, mm. and. I also think that this is the perfect movie for people to hear about and think to themselves, wow, I wonder if I could even sit through something like that. You know, um, this, I just, I had so much fun. I watched it with Jules. Um, there's a little bit of brutality that was intense for her. And we had a very interesting conversation at the end of the film that I kind of want to dive into as we're reflecting on Korean cinema. That's kind of what's been on the, the front of my mind, but overall, really positive about this film um i'll just say it now like if you haven't seen it you got to there's there's so many moments that i want to dive into but um yeah this this film feels almost perfect i think that mm. there are little things that begin to kind of irk me i think the ending is goes on for a little too long for some reason mm. um I kept thinking that the movie was over and it kept going and I was like, all <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, 
I have like mostly high praise for this film. If you haven't seen it, you got to see it. I that's how that's how I feel about it. How about you, Cameron? How do you feel? What? How many times have you seen this film? First of all, and like, uh, I think this is actually only my second time. Uh, I saw it originally when it came out in theaters, and actually, I think I saw an early screening of it as well with Juzo. Um, I think I was, I was late. <laughs> this is a funny story, so I'll tell it. Okay. Um, I was late to that screening because, um, me and Juzo had been going to the Mill Valley Film Festival, um, like the week leading up to this movie. And in my mind, I don't know why, but I thought that this movie was playing at the Mill Valley Film Festival. And so I drove up there and actually the movie was showing at the Embarcadero. So I had to like rush back and, uh, you know, go try to find my way. So um, in any case, uh, it was, you know, obviously it, it, I ended up very much enjoying the movie. So um, it didn't matter that much, but the uh yeah i i always kind of joke about this movie and it is really a joke because um you know i joke about this movie that people are jumping on the on the bong joon ho bandwagon that i'm the real bong joon ho fan because i watched him you know <laughs> way before it was cool um and that's a joke mostly at my expense because obviously this movie is excellent like there's no there's no question about it and obviously there's a reason why it uh came out to such uh, praise and came out to such almost like it, it had this word of mouth appeal that has uh, rarely happened in my movie going experience. I think maybe like Mad Max Fury Road was another one that that kind of had the same word of mouth appeal where, you know, you you knew a couple people who watched it and they kept kept on talking about it and kept on saying like oh my goodness this is the best movie ever and like you know slowly over the course of that summer in a couple months it turned out to be like a really important movie and i think i think parasite did the same where there were very there were a couple of evangelists who were very hardcore about this movie when it first came out or when it was in its its pre-release state um you know it, it was at Cannes, so like a lot of people saw it during the summer um before it came out you know in in the winter of 2019 so um it was a movie that that kind of had this buzz about it beforehand and then when it came out more and more people that i knew who are very much casuals who are very much, you know, go see Marvel movies once a year, uh, go see the new, you know, mission impossible maybe. And then everybody was talking about parasite. Um, even people who I was really surprised would just go out and go out to the theaters and watch a Korean movie. And uh, in a lot of ways, this movie makes me very nostalgic, um, for a time when, there could be kind of, kind of this this word of mouth success um, because I'm not sure that that exists necessarily now. I don't know if people uh, are going to be more adventurous with the movies that they go to theaters with. Um, you know, I think that was a very interesting year in a lot of ways, 2019, because there was a ton of movies that came out that people were like excited to see and really enjoyed, and there were some really unusual ones. And I think this one is an example of that where if, I mean, I was basically the only person I knew me and Juza were the only people I knew who were excited for, for this movie before it came out. And then after it came out, after it had this sort of sleeper, you know, word of mouth, uh, factor, that's when people started to, to really, you know, talk about it and be sort of 
you know, that's why I say they jump on the bandwagon. But really, it's like it's a it's a good story. It's a successful bandwagon. Like, I'm not upset about it. It's it's just it's just funny to say. But um, Mm -hmm. I. Now, what I will say is I do think it is a very, very good movie. And it's one that um, many of the pictures and and sort of the the moments that I have in my mind have completely stuck with me. And it's very classically Bong Joon-ho as well. Um, but at the same time, it's not the one that I think of first when I, when I think of his works. Um, and it's not necessarily my favorite, although it's hard to say that because it's such a good movie and I'm not trying to knock it in any way. Like I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate it or anything. It's, it's an excellent, excellent movie. Um, and rewatching it again was just such a pleasure. So I, I don't know, you know, I was having so much fun with the movie just by myself um, for the second time, you know, laughing at some of the jokes and being very invested in the story, even though I know where it's going. And, you know, even the moments that are that are very tense and how I know are, are going to resolve. I've, I was just sucked in again. So that's that speaks to the success of the movie in a lot of ways. Um, but like I said, not trying to knock it necessarily, but I still think. For me, Mother is is his sort of pinnacle um, as a filmmaker, as a director, in terms of what I think of when I, you know, when I think of his style and when I think of his um, just like pinpoint accuracy in a lot of ways. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my my takeaways. Yeah, I think that this film is just inherently designed with a level of engagement that I haven't seen in a lot of movies. It basically mm-hmm. digs its hooks into you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and I watched it with Jules, who she fell asleep during Mother, which is, I mean, maybe she was just tired. Yeah. But uh, this film, she was with it the whole time. And she was just like kind of overwhelmed by the amount of drama and tension that she was pulled into with it. Uh, and, you know, she she even, like, had a moment where she filmed herself, like, re- reacting to the last scene. I don't even know why. Basically, when a movie for her kind of crosses a line, like, a, a, a line of, like, disgust, and I think that this film has some, like, violence that is really played up, like, like it. not only is it brutal when, like, some moments happen... But the first thing I noticed watching it was how much the supporting cast amplified the reaction for the audience as well. Uh, I don't want to get into the spoilers right now, but I do want to dive into them in a moment uh, where certain characters are, you know, assaulted, you could say. And then the (laughs) response of the other characters around that character who's hit, like they elevate that scene to like 11 with their yeah, own response. Yeah, yeah. They're with you in the audience. There's like, there's there's something about this movie where every character in it makes you feel like you're beside them in some sort of way. I don't know like how exactly to put it because yeah. it's confusing. You don't necessarily dislike anyone except for, I'm just going to call him the hermit, right? <laughs> uh, really, everybody else is sort of 
like they're kind of endearing in some in some sort of way. Yeah. And so you don't really know who to root for, but you're just excited to be there. You know, like I don't know, I don't know how <laughs> that's else so to, true. That's so true. Yeah, I don't know how else to to really really put it. I yeah, there's there's so much I want to dive into. I feel like we have to get into spoilers. This movie's too new for you to listen to the spoiler section. If I you haven't seen it. Yes. Uh we are gonna spoil it and we're gonna warn you right now from now on. We're just getting into it. Go see this uh, movie. I will say, with that being said, I don't think you need to necessarily watch it for, you know, what's being spoiled. Like, mm. we're going to talk about spoilers, yes, but also it's an insanely enjoyable movie regardless. So it's not like you're going to have your t- your time ruined or whatever. You know, it's not like the mystery element or the spoiler element is really the important part because that's not, I, I don't think it is. Uh, but I will say, just go watch it. Don't, don't hear anything more. Um, just, you know, find yourself enjoying it. Uh, unless you like spoilers, whatever. I don't, you live your life. <laughs> I will say, you know, when, if you go watch it based off of our recommendation now and come back, there is going to be an interest. Like I, I'm so excited to have our conversation about Korean cinema, Cameron. I have like a thesis statement I want to dive into with you. This one might okay. go a little long. I know it's, it's. Let's do it. It's already getting late, but I'm I'm excited for it. All right, let's get back to the film. Uh, let's talk about the filmmaking, Cameron. I already said it's gorgeous. It's amazing. I don't know what else to add besides this film has some of the most memorable, like, cinematography that just. I know this is a strange comparison, but there there are two types of shots that are that are with me in this film. The first one, I think you know what it is because it just sticks with you forever, and it's the ghost scene where yeah. the kid is eating the cake. Oh my! I literally like screamed out loud when I saw it. I was like, <laughs> I have so never. Good. I was like, I have <laughs> never seen such incredible like visual horror. But it's also like this sense of like that's kind of like. It's just creepy awesome. I don't know and how to put it. The fact that you all you also know at that point what's going to happen too. You already know that yeah. that's, you know, that's that's you know, you know who it is, you know what the ghost is, you can anticipate the moment and it still is terrifying. That's why it's so good. That's why it works. Oh my it's, goodness. It's awesome. And Bong Joon-ho <laughs> with his dark hallways. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, there's so much in Mother that you would like miss if you didn't watch Mother first. I think that's the other thing. I can understand your frustration with it because, first of all, the moment I saw The Rock, I was like, I know what he did with a rock in the last movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like he he's got a thing about True, rock yeah. violence because we were he talking does. about it, right? <laughs> Uh, that's like, I was like, yeah, instantly. I know that rock is bad news. It's jagged like a weapon. Like you just know it's going down, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and, and one of the things that I will say about this movie is I would say it's kind of a, a reinterpretation in a lot of ways of several of his other movies, not a reinterpretation, but he, he uses elements from some of his other movies as sort of a push in this movie. And maybe, maybe even just a callback or reference. I think the rock is a perfect example. Um, but I think even just the underground, um, you know, the underground basement area, um, with it's like very dark and kind of grungy looks as well as the, the tears of sort of the, 
majestic glass house and the um you know the dirty basement smelling right or semi basement smelling um house that they live in is very reminiscent of you know the front and the back of the train and snowpiercer mm. um and so like there's there's several things that elements that he has as kind of recurring themes in this movie um right there there I, I hate to interrupt you but like as you're talking about snowpiercer and it's like it its focus is class and class is heavily represented in this movie and honestly yeah, some of 100%. the commentary about like wealth and class in this movie is pretty um it's pretty heavy-handed i feel like i feel Definitely. like it's it's yeah. it's extremely critical <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100% <laughs> of both sides and i'm like wow like this is this is some bold bold statements to be saying well, it's kind of um, interesting because you mentioned early on how y- there wasn't anybody that you disliked except for, um, you know, the, the hermit. Um, and and it, it's kind of funny because really the the um, the rich family did nothing wrong in this movie. <laughs> right. Like it, in almost in in all cases, the rich family basically had no no fault um which is kind of a, a an interesting message because you'd think like you know you'd think that there would be something more overt or there would be something more um you know more obviously he's talking about class he's talking about sort of struggling um but th- this movie is kind of <laughs> weirdly critical of um the lower class. The lower class as yeah. well. It's, it's weird. very strange. Yeah. Um, but I you know what's interesting is its critiques of the lower class are dialed in with a laser focus on almost like personal responsibility, right? There's like this it honestly, you know what? Like it's weird, but like my dad is a planner, right? <laughs> And so the moment they start talking about planning, it's like I can hear my dad talking to me about like, like, are you responsible or are you not? And that's just filtered through the lens of do you have a plan or do you not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's just I was like, wow, this is this is kind of um, countercultural in a lot of ways with, with what it's saying. And at the same time, I was surprised with how much critical acclaim this film has when it's sort of like i i don't know like it it also made me kind of be feel a little confused in that regard like just thinking about the social context where it's like all these rich you know people in hollywood are like yes this is the best movie well, yeah, ever yeah yeah it's true. you know and i'm like <laughs> it's true huh it's a little interesting right um but yeah, the, the representation of class i think that there's obvious callbacks to mother with you know, the hermit's wife who's like taking care of him down in the basement. Um, and really that, that expands, I mean, her, her, her existence and her relationship with the hermit, that's like a, like a visual callback to mother, I think, but there's some deep commentary resurfacing from mother about parenting and sort of, you know, parents sheltering their kids or maybe not caring about their kids i felt like a lot of that came back so it feels like poor influences and sort of having having decisions that 
you know, they make thrust onto to the kids as well. You know, like, yeah, totally. There's there's so much thematically that comes back that obviously you can just tell that um, he cares about it. So it's not like it it's it's not like he's retreading old ground. He's I think he's exploring it with with, you know, a new idea with a new story, um, exploring some of the same things that he's he's kind of dug into in the past. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of derailed where we were, we were going with, um, some of the, the filmmaking, but I think it's a natural conversation. There's one last thing I wanted to say about the cinematography and the craftsmanship. I, I'm not a fan of Final Fantasy games, but one of the things that I do know is that Final Fantasy seven has these beautiful drawn out, like wide shots where you're controlling like this little figure that's running around, and these like massive landscapes or whatever. Uh, most famously with Final Fantasy VII and its city, like on the PlayStation One, you know, th- there's so there's such incredible artwork, and then this tiny little ugly polygon figure running around. Oh, but this film has those uh, masterfully painted scenes. Uh, mm-hmm. The 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 one that sticks with me the most is when the family escapes the home and they're running down into like the sewer area or, you know, where they live and they're all that water's pouring. There's like, he runs down this staircase. That's like going down under a bridge and the bridge is like vividly lit with orange. And like, there's just all this color around. I was just like, wow, this is like shocking. Like it's like shockingly, uh, it could be like, it could be, screenshot and framed like yeah, it's just of it's, so it's much un- of this movie could be yeah yeah it, it's jaw-dropping so even if you're just an aspiring filmmaker and you want to sit there and observe the shots like you can get something out of this out of this film Cameron is there anything you want to highlight with the filmmaking yeah one of the things that you may not have noticed but um is kind of important is this film was um pretty reliant on cgi and i don't know if you knew that um no and it's pretty shocking when you actually realize how much of it um was cgi but it's so well it's almost like a um a david fincher style cgi um where it's it's totally hidden there's no call, uh, you know, there's no attention called to it. It's, it totally serves the purpose of establishing the world. And there's, you know, there's no, uh, there, there's, uh, you know, there's basically no attention, um, you know, placed on it. And it, it's, you know, the house is not a real house. Um, mm. The house is, uh, inside is a soundstage and outside is, um, is, you know, basically all digital. So, um, it's pretty impressive and I would encourage everybody to look up some of the behind the scenes because, and that, that, uh, you know, that street that the house is on, um, Mm -hmm. it's just a set in the middle of nowhere, like literally just, it's, it's awesome. So I'm blown away. That's like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, this is, you know, why I say obviously CGI is a tool and it can be used for good or for bad. And, you know, this movie is a, is a great example of hidden CGI doing amazing work and being sort of being so good that you, your brain doesn't even register it. So, um, it does, it does bum me out just a little bit though. Just <laughs> that the house bit. isn't like, real. <laughs> I that house has so much character to it, you know. 
And yeah, it's, it's true. It's, al- true. it's almost. But that's a, that's a success of the movie, though. Yes, yes, I would agree. It's almost unbelievable now that I think about how much that. Like, I really wanted that house to be a house of a friend of a friend that he was like, I need to shoot a movie in this place. You know, like that's like <laughs> where I was kind of hoping I was going to learn some stuff about it. But wow, it it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Um, but that is. That is pretty surprising. The The house has a, I don't know why this is the first thing that popped in my head, but like almost like a, a Narnia-esque, like Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe kind of feel to it where it's mystical. There's something about it that's like, you're like, I, I'm drawn to this house. There's something going on here. I don't know why. It's laid out in a way that makes you kind of want to see around each corner but it's a house, and then when there is a huge reveal that there's something about the house that's special, you're like, I can't believe it. You know, I can't believe it, but I also kind of knew. I don't know why I knew, but yeah. I knew there was something up. There's some sort of mystery to this place, right? Well, the the house as a setting is is kind of um, ingenious because the there's a misdirect there, right? The house obviously is kind of a representation of uh, you know both the aspirations of you know, of the, uh, you know, the family that we're following and sort of the, um, almost like the cold adopted corpse of someone's, you know, someone's like lover or someone's like, you know, big project. It's like, it's like the, you know, the family who moved in after, you know, they adopted the, the housekeeper and they adopted with it all this, you know, all this stuff, but it, it really doesn't feel like it's theirs. Um, and yeah. you know, and almost it, uh, instantly when you go in, uh, when the movie shows, shows you around, you know, she's picking up the arrows and she says like, it's a, it's a playpen now, um, you know, signifying the fact that it's not really theirs. Uh, it's, yeah. you know, it's someone, it belongs to someone else. Um, and it's, so so there there is the sense of it being a character on its own you know first when you right out the gate when you when you get to it um but then you find out that there is something more there is something unique about it and there's a secret with it you know there's 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 something deeper literally um to the house and so that is like such a such a great misdirect um being both metaphor in terms of the characters and being something that that pays off as like a you know a, a, an actual secret and an actual you know reveal in in terms of the film so yeah it's it's awesome the house is fantastic so i well love done. it yeah i'm blown away that it's cgi but it is too it's too flawlessly characterized in some ways you know like it is so laid out in a special way and then they keep talking about how it was made by a designer it almost makes you believe that it's a real house right and it it, well it does right i had no idea that it was cgi so (laughs) it's awesome um let's get into kind of the storyline the characters uh what happens and i think that will lead very well in our conversation to close out the month. I I don't really know where to start, but with the family, uh, the poor family first, you're introduced to them. They are definitely like, they're a team, a unit of bottom feeders, it seems. Like they're very 
um, survivalist, but also like from the beginning, like they're trying to get free Wi-Fi, and it reminded me of me my myself being like a middle school kid with an iPod trying to like look for Wi-Fi around my house, you know, because um, I just didn't have any. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have any Wi-Fi or something like that, right? Um, so it's kind of relatable. You're you're on board with them. They're not very good at finding any sort of income. And then they come across this rock, right, that's given to the son who it's pretty clear as soon as he introduces his sister, but like his friend, essentially his friend, right, um, hooks him up with a tutoring job and then that family needs another tutor and they need a new driver. Well, they need another... I. I well, they they fin- uh, well, let's just say they finesse their way yes. into all of them getting jobs with this rich family without them knowing, and that's where like a lot of the tension builds. You know that the gig is up pretty early on. Um, I feel like you're anticipating it all going sideways, but I think what's so awesome about this movie is it keeps you engaged, and it also like the gig is up at the right time. It Mm. is very uh, methodical with the way that the family isn't caught and also how there's enough drama and mystery around the family not being caught. Like when they, when they started to reveal that the house had more secrets to it, um, like my first thought with this movie, and I, I know I'm kind of all over the place, but my first thought is as soon as they're in the house hanging out as a family, I was like, oh, I totally know. I already see the rain. The family's coming back and it's going to be crazy, you know? Uh, and I didn't realize that the movie wasn't even halfway over at that point, too. I was like, this is the end. Like, this is like the, this is the exciting part. And then when it's the old housekeeper, I'm like, okay, like, are we going to get like weird, like, hotline miami animals and masks showing up like trying to take back the house from another family that doesn't own it like i was like that'd be really interesting and for her to then go down in the basement with her creepy laugh you know and you're like okay so now she's the killer in the house right you're not quite sure only to find out there's like a secret bunker you're like what is happening you're you're so like you're so invested in the mystery of what's going to happen in the house and then the family comes back, right? And you, and it's like, oh, I really thought I knew what the order of like events and how yeah. it was all going to go down, but it, it didn't happen that way. As a matter of fact, it happened in a way that was more, way more exciting, way more engaging. And for that scene to end with things kind of being okay was weird too i was like i didn't expect i really expected someone to get caught right well and the prolonged um the the prolonged sequence right where the family comes back they have to clean up they have to hide they have to subdue the the two other people who are in the house yes we're not supposed to um then they have you know there's sort of this this symphony of of things happening at the same time um and you know all sort of ticking it's it's and it's relatable because you know obviously you've boiled a a bowl of ramen before of instant right. noodles you know you know how long that takes it's not very long and so there's there's this crunch and then you know everybody's hiding under the um uh, under the the 
coffee table and you have the family, you know, they're going to go to bed. And so then, you know, maybe they'll get a chance to sneak out. But no, they're going to actually stake it out in the same room uh, as everybody's hiding. And so they have to wait till till they go to sleep. And, you know, there's this prolonged sequence of tension that works so well because you had this big reveal earlier and then you realize like, oh, like it's actually there's something more pressing that we need to do right now, you know? Um, and then, you know, even then it's, it's buttressed by the sort of the high of the family hanging out for the first time in this house, you know, being rambunctious, drinking together and sort of being the, the, the living in the house, you know, with no reservations. Um, and then you get this long, prolonged sequence of tension. And then after you have the, the devastation of the, the flood, what happens to their house, this sort of devastating event in their lives. So there's this, this nice, beautiful sandwich in the middle of this movie of, um, you know, excitement because they're there for the first time, tension, and then devastation. And and I think that's what kind of makes that sequence work. Because like you're saying, obviously, you know that the, the family is going to come home. You know, you know that they're, you know that they're uh, on their way back. You know that something's gone wrong. Obviously, you've seen it in sitcoms a million times. You know, you've watched, uh, I'm sure it's like a, a sweet life of Zach and Cody episode or something, you know, like, it's, (laughs) um, you know, you know that that's what's going to happen. Like, you know, the teens are having a party when the parents are out and then the parents come home and they wave the finger, you know? Right. But it's, it's so perfectly done in this format that kind of, it, it lets you forget about the fact that you knew that that was happening when there's so many other things that you didn't realize were going on. And like the rain is a great example too, because the rain you think symbolizes obviously the camping being, being ruined. Um, and you can tell kind of almost immediately after they leave, you know, the rain comes and there's this moment where they say, Oh, you know, uh, uh, Jessica, she's, you know, speaking with the voice of God and whatever, um, because there's, there's a thunder and whatnot. Um, and, and then, what you realize is the rain actually doesn't represent the family coming home, but instead it represents loss. You know, it represents the loss of, of their house, the loss of their belongings. Um, and that's totally unexpected from what you, you thought was, was set up for you. Yeah. I think that build up that sequence, it's, the pinnacle of the movie as soon as they're home and the next morning there's i i think that there are some incredible lines at the end of the sequence when um the father and son are sleeping in that like shelter place and he talks about plans and the plan i always had is no plan because then you can't be let down like what in what an incredible like way to sort of teach a lesson and it, it's almost like, I don't know, there's there's something musical about the resolution where it's like he is where he belongs. You know what I mean? Mm. Because it's like, he it's almost like he wants to be there. 
in a way, right? He was never, he never expected to be let down stuff. And then there's kind of that creeping poison about the father's smell, right? Which is inherently like inhumane, right? You're kind of upset by the fact that the family talks about the, the, the rich dad and the rich mom are like, Oh yeah. Like our new driver, he stinks. Right. Um, you can tell like, he's just from a weird part of town or, you know, he smells like people who, who ride the subway. Right. You know? Right. And that's just a mean comment, but it's not a crime. Right. But it's a huge, like burning anger that the dad has that kind of begins to break his, not break his philosophy of no plan, but almost challenge his emotionless. Like he's not emotionless, but it's like, like he has a new drive because of that. It's like an anger with it. Right. And the conclusion with the birthday party, that's just very um, uncomfortable all the way. Like with that moment where the, um, the son, what is his American name? His American name is so stupid. Kevin, Kevin yeah. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. Kevin's like, oh, okay, I'm going to go walk down downstairs with this rock. I don't know what he was planning to do. I don't remember. What was he planning to do down there? I think he was probably planning to finish the the job, basically. Yeah. Because um, the dad, along with the comment about there's, there's no plan, he also says, nobody knows what happened, so it didn't happen. Right. Um, which is kind of an important note to make, right? Obviously, that's uh, that's not true, but it is something that kind of guides, I would say, guides Kevin's actions after that point. Um, so, well, it's surprise. The first thing that I was surprised by with this movie is how people can withstand rocks. Like, I didn't even know how <laughs> Kevin was alive. At the end, and I didn't even know how the woman was alive either. After that fall down the stairs, I was like, she's gone. And then, oh, my last concussion breath. You know, I'm like, what the Well, heck? she did, I mean, she did die from the from that yes. injury. But um, still, I was like just bewildered when she began to speak again. I was like, how? That's yeah. not even possible. So, yeah, um, no, anyways, right. anyways. Um, yeah, and You then, can slowly die from brain damage. I, I believe that. I guess so. I guess so. I, I was just... Um, the the conclusion the terrible explosion of violence and the conclusion with Jessica dying from a knife wound and the father getting the rich father getting stabbed by um the poor father and him, him running and hiding into the bunker area as well there's a lot to dissect i was I don't know. I was very like confused on the motivation of the father and it really took the, the, the poor father. I, I was confused. Like why he responded that way, but it also made sense, but it also like, it seemed pretty extreme, right? His response. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in the, in the midst of it all. Um, yeah. I think the movie has this explosive like uh, you know murder fest right <laughs> and then it kind of lingers for a long time because it's like the filmmakers saying i want you to think about like the results of this moment right this is where i feel like the movie 
I, I again, I think the that middle tension and excitement is like what has me recommending this movie. The the conclusions that you can pull from the end of this film are extremely deep and I think important. But I think that the the execution of the ending is overshadowed by the excitement and and intensity of the house scene and the escape and all that stuff. Like the the ending I was like, what is even happening? Like, I don't even know, like, what's happening. I'm still chewing on sort of the resolution of the family being there when they shouldn't be. And then the ending was kind of like, there's all this violence that you you expected to come earlier in the film. And all the characters are reflecting when this violence explodes, right? Uh, and then, like, we, we have the results, right? Like, Jessica dies which I think is sort of an interesting thing that can be dissected. The father is sort of like, he's in this place that's, it's wrong, but he also doesn't, it seems like he doesn't hate it, you know? It's kind of weird. The mother, she doesn't have much to say, the poor mother. Um, and then Kevin's conclusion where he has like some sort of like brain damage, but he also has like this vision of like what he's going to do, the the happy ending only to be followed by someday, you know, like that's that ending statement of like someday I'll have the happy ending. Right. Because I have an unprecedented plan. That's like the strong statement that he, he puts at the end. Right. Um, there's a lot going on at the end of this movie, but what I really wanted to, uh, dive into was kind of this thesis statement about Korean movies, Cameron, but I want to give you an, an opportunity to kind of add your comments about the end of the movie, maybe shine some context. Cause I, I found the ending to be intriguing, but also not as good as that middle part that I loved, you know? Yeah. Well, I really like the end, um, particularly because I think the symbolism of everything that happens is actually what's like most important in that sequence. Uh, and, and I couldn't understand why it would be not, not necessarily a letdown, but like it would be almost like inconclusive or uh, unusually sort of lingering or something like that. You know, I can, I can see why. Um, the thing that I'll point out though, is there's obviously the break, uh, w with the father, right. Where, you know, obviously it's set up earlier. He says he has no plan and, you know, nothing ever, ever goes wrong because there's no plan. Um, and then it's, it's the buildup of this sort of insult that's been, haunting him for a while and he's basically the only one reacts when when any when anyone says like oh what's what's the smell or you know whatever he's the only one who kind of asks like oh do i stink like is that is that me like and so there's this there's this tension there and then the overwhelming sense that he feels like he's being compared to the person who's crazy locked in the basement, you know, has nothing has been leeching off of these, these people for years. And that's kind of the insult that drives him to, to, you know, kill the father. Right. Um, it's the, it's a comparison of being sort of a homeless person or being this, you know, this complete, um, 
parasite on this family. Um, and maybe even the realization that he kind of is. Um, and then from there, he becomes that person. He becomes the, the person in the basement typing Morse code, uh, you know, with the lights being the exact same character that he was compared to. Um, and I like that as sort of a, a, an arc for, for his character. I'm not sure necessarily what it means. And I think there's so much that you can pull from it. You can talk about sort of the violence or sort of the, um, you know, the, the class conflict that's inherent in it. Um, but I just think the symbology of him being, you know, trying to imitate someone who's higher class, then being looked down upon and being compared to someone who's, you know, who's a, a vagrant living in someone's basement who runs out and kills someone, you know, and then becoming that person. I think that's that's a a beautiful mirroring of that, you know, that whole sequence. And then along with that, I like the. Um, I like the sequence with the son as well, um, where, you know, he says like, he couldn't stop laughing. Um, he couldn't stop seeing the humor, you know, there's something wrong with him where he, he just couldn't, couldn't stop laughing about what happened. Um, and then the, you know, then I, I think the ending is, is also very important, um, where, you know, he obviously has this vision of becoming the people who, uh, you know, who he was trying to leech off of originally. Um, and again, I think there's so much to be said about it, but I, I kind of just want to leave it up to the movie, um, and up to people's interpretations. I, I don't, I don't think, I think this movie has so much symbology, especially in that last little compacted section, um, that I, I, I wouldn't want to get bogged down necessarily like in all of the details. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that's why it works for me is that it's, it's packed with meaning. It's mm -hmm. de so dense with meaning. Um, and that's kind of why it doesn't end and keeps not ending is because I think there's still more to be dissected, more to be sort of chewed over. So right. th that's kind of my my take on it. I I like the ending a lot. I think I think it works very well on a on a symbolic level. The thing that really stuck with me, all all the things you said, I I agree with. Uh, I don't remember when the dad was compared to the basement dwelling well, guy. No, Maybe no, no, it wasn't it's, direct, but it wasn't. It was the smell, right? He he has you know the dad picks up the the guy you know, because he's trying to get the keys and he goes and he, you know, he reels back because of the smell of the, Oh, of the, I didn't know, connect that. I did not yeah. connect that. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's like the key point. That's like the linchpin of that sequence. I would say, mm, yeah. um, is like the, he felt like he's being compared to this person, you know, the who just that, like murdered people in front of his whole family. Yeah. The thing that stuck with me was like the, um, Kevin's response at the end with him saying like, oh, do I belong here? Is this like the place that I belong? And he almost kind of knows that it's not. But then to see like Jessica is killed at the end by the guy in the basement, right? And she 
she had a response to the house that was like she belonged there. Like they make mm. a lot, they make it very clear. It's like, oh, you definitely belong here. Like this is like where you, this is where you're like you're gonna live. And she's so talented, but she's scummy with her talents, right? Um, and then uh, the dad, the dad gets it, and the the basement dweller gets it, right? It's just interesting that those are the the targets that suffer the repercussions of everything that happened. And it leads me to my thesis statement about Korean cinema. And maybe it's just limited by my knowledge, but the statement that I want to make is there are no happy endings in, in Korean cinema. And the, the reason that I understand, like I understand why now more than ever with this film, because like, it has so much to say. It refuses to let you have a happy ending. It even plays with the fact that it doesn't give you a happy ending and its last moments. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I've noticed this about all four of the the Korean movies that we watched so far. None of them have happy endings. And I don't know if it's something to do with like the Eastern culture that they come from, but it's more important for these movies to make a statement in their last moments than it is for them to have any sort of resolution. The resolution is the wisdom, you know? And I think that that's like a very, that that's something that you don't find in American movies mm. at all. And I, I'm really drawn to that because I think that the perspective that's given, even if I don't necessarily agree with everything that they're saying, it, it comes from a very wise place. And... Uh, it's like the the makers of these stories really spent a long time to think about the themes and what they really wanted to say. And it genuinely reminds me of a lot of the English literature that we read uh, in high school and in college. Those books never end well. Like <laughs> They never yeah. do. There's, there's nothing good about the endings of, of <laughs> most of the books that you read in English class. Right. Um, but it's because they're trying to say something that they want you to really wrestle with. And so I I might not understand this movie Parasite all the way, but I'm definitely wrestling with some of the 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 themes and ideas that it's brought up. And I think it's even more comparable to English literature the way that Bong Joon-ho continues to hit on themes in all of his work and it begins to transcend across his 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 work in 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 cinema. Right. Like that is like a direct comparison to some of the greatest writers that you're forced to read in school and and how they're just hung on certain ideas throughout all of all of their work. I just think that is what is so exciting about Korean cinema, despite its, you know, its boldness, its its craziness that's out there. I think that um, Parasite has so much to say. It is restrained compared to, I guess, maybe like we watched Mother and that movie is really off the wall in a lot of ways. I would say that in some ways, if you're walking in expecting it, it's it's like I could see how maybe somebody who's so drawn to like Korean New Wave is like in love with that earlier form where it's like, oh, this is where it's at. You know, it's raw, it's out there, it's in your face, you know? But I feel like, Parasite is like, we're going to be in your face with this, you know, 
minus a couple moments like the banana moment which was hilarious okay <laughs> but like like there, there there was like there's there's um there's definitely a restraint with the absurdity in order to have like the i mean i don't know why i'm thinking of this book but like kite runner has like this these shocking moments right these traumatizing moments right mm. in that book and it has so much to say around those moments of trauma. And I feel like this book or th this movie has like these intricately set up moments of trauma. Um, it, there's not too many. They're right. They're, they're there to be like used to push people into reflection and to push the yeah. audience into reflection as well. And I feel like that's some of the highest praise I can give any grouping of, of movies at all. I, I genuinely think that it's like, um, it's what I crave, but it's done in a way that is for lack of a better word, foreign to me. Right. Um, but I'm glad that I've had the context and the introduction that you've put together, Cameron, to be able to like explore and kind of be re like reveal some of the, the the artistry that that Korean New Wave has to offer. Yeah, well, I I do want to comment about your um, what you said with the fact that Korean movies never have a happy ending, and I think that's true. Um, I've only seen one movie that I could consider a happy ending, sort of, <laughs> um, and we're not going to watch it. But um, yeah, uh, I. I think that's true, and it speaks probably something to uh, more to um, maybe the Korean people in general than um, than maybe I can say. But um, I think part of it has to do with the fact that there's always a in in several of these movies there's a yes and or a yes but actually right. um, there's like something maybe that went right there's something maybe that was successful but there's a twist you know but there's something that is so horrible packed with it you know you think about mother and about old boy in some sense um but both of those movies end with someone completely forgetting the all of the wrong that that's happened um and moving on and there, there's something you could say that that might be considered a happy ending but it's totally not you know yeah, it's it's yeah. totally not a happy ending i would say part of that is probably a product and this is total total speculation on my part yeah, yeah. um but part of it probably is a product of being so close to um North Korea being so close to in time to people who may have been in your family or may have been in, you know, in, you know, people that you might have known who, you know, were trapped in a civil war, who are now being sort of held hostage and who are, you know, always an imminent threat as well. Right. Um, and yeah, so can, there can we just to, not to derail you, but can we just talk about for a moment the like bold criticism of Kim Jong-un in this movie, like <laughs> intensely, like they make him out to be a moron and it's like a character just pops off making fun of him in this movie out of nowhere in some ways. But like, yeah, it's like, wow. They really wanted to, to make sure you know how they feel about <laughs> Kim well, Jong-un. And, and it's, it's also interesting because it's not something thematically that comes up very often. I think it's always underneath the surface probably, but it's yeah. not, 
it's not really brought up that much in in their movies. I think I mean um JSA which is about the uh the border between North and South Korea. Um obviously that that's an exception, but um but yeah, I mean like there's there is a very bold statement in this movie and it's something that is kind of um for maybe for a westerner you kind of get the sense of oh like I forgot that this is probably something daily that people think about. You know, right. it's probably like imagine if if you know there was like a split in California and, you know, Northern California was like holding nukes against Southern California. And it was like this crazy thing. And you, I have family in Southern California, you know, I know people in Southern California and it's like, it's probably there. There's, I'm sure there's this tension there. Um, and there's something unresolved and very sad about that as well, where it's like, yes, we're free and yes, we're not in North Korea, but we also know people there and they're still there. They're still an imminent threat. And so I think that's probably where the narrative drive of them being bittersweet endings at the very best or just dark and depressing endings at the worst. Right. Yeah. Um, that's probably where it comes from. I don't know for sure, but that's my speculation. Um, well, I a, thought that as a Westerner. I, yeah, I think. My my point is is that whether or not there's something cultural missing, I almost value like bittersweet endings or bad endings more after this month. Yeah. Um and I I'm usually extremely critical on on negative endings because I think that sometimes they're used in weird ways. I don't know, like they're used in ways that don't leave me hungry to like like kind of chew on what the movie has to say but what i've loved so much about korean korean cinema so far is that they have so much to say they have so much that they want to tell you and they never like the the negative ending or the bittersweet ending it's never um it's never with a like belittling negativity towards the audience more of a it's time to like really think about it like it's time for you to chew on it and we're so excited to hear what you have to say i don't know like i i i just i i think that that's such a cool um like like it it genuinely makes me feel like these movies are built for conversation in, in some ways and yeah i'm i'm surprised there's not more like podcasting being done about Korean cinema as well. Genuinely. Like I'm sure there's a lot of people that covered parasite, but like just to kind of like chew on another culture's like creativity. It's so, it's awesome. It's so much fun. And Cameron, I've really, I've really enjoyed it. I'm excited to watch the last Patreon bonus episode. Um, I think, uh, this director, I'm sorry, I'm blanking on his name. Bong Joon-ho. Yeah. Bong Joon-ho he's up there for me now. Like, pr- like pretty, it, it's hard to deny. Um, there's definitely, there's definitely, I think a cultural barrier that I won't feel completely like integrated in the messaging. You know, you're, you're, you have some, uh, there's, there's cultural elements, there's language barrier and all that stuff, but he's still saying so much to me with all those barriers. And I think that that's so powerful and, and a lot of credit to him and, and his ability to be able to do that as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And 
I'm well, first of all, I'm glad that you've enjoyed Korean Cinema Month. I've designed it so that you would enjoy it, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I'm sure that there were much worse picks that you could have thrown at me, but uh, yeah, d- yeah, there were. I there were a handful of movies in my mind that are. Well, obviously, you know, there are bad movies in every market. Yeah. So it's it's not it's not a, you know, a knock or anything, but like there are some movies that are uh, at, that are also just very very dark and very disturbing. Um yeah. in a way that I didn't think you would necessarily enjoy. Um and I knew it, you know, it takes a certain person. Even me, like I there's, you know, there's some movies that are just too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, but you got to power through them for the sake of exploration, right? Yeah, you know yeah, saying? yeah. Um, but <laughs> not me, not me. No, I will. True. I'll be yeah. like, nope, no way. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Um, but I think the the movies that I picked and sort of the ones that that I decided to show you were an exploration of sort of how familiar yet different some you know some of these movies are and especially you know how familiar a movie like parasite is or how familiar a movie like train to busan is is a great example where it's something that you immediately understand you immediately are gripped by there isn't this like distance that you find with a lot of like european cinema there isn't this like alienation from the audience it's like you're in it you're in the story you know, we want you to be right there, but also we're going to hit you with some things that are very uncomfortable, that are very dark, that are very unique. Um, so there's, you know, there's a sense why I love Korean films and why I, I always find myself wrapped up in these stories and wrapped up in these filmmakers is because they have a sense of making the unfamiliar familiar, even for people who are, you know, Korean, even for people who are in that, you know, in that market, but especially for people like us who, you know, we don't, we're not Korean and we don't necessarily know some of the, the intricacies of the culture, but we are, we are made comfortable by these movies because they speak to us in a way that is, that is universal and in a way that is very, very well done. (laughs) Just like, yeah absurdly well done and um you know i i i don't want to compare it necessarily to any other market because i think obviously it comes up in unique circumstances but i think when you do sort of look at it uh in terms of of hollywood movies or in terms of you know we watched french films um for one month there is something esoteric about french films and there is something maybe too uh maybe too simplistic about hollywood movies um especially i would say nowadays probably is the case uh, and this is a great blend or korean films are a great blend of both of those things mm. um both the aesthetic um the you know wonderful mood and you know and uh, je ne sais quoi. Um, and oh you know, the, the, there's, there's the, you know, the sense that these movies are, are sort of outside of narrative in a lot of ways and outside of, um, you know, the, what is actually being told and into sort of the metaphorical or into the, um, you know, into the, the, you know, these sort of 
intangible things, these intangible themes. Um, but then you get the the narrative to back it up as well. You know, you get the Hollywood style movie. You get the characters that are fleshed out and that are likable, that are relatable. And that's what makes it so fun and interesting. Is like it's, yeah. it's a blending of good things from multiple different cultures that are, you know, synthesized in a way that that I think is very important and one to continue to keep an eye out for. Um, and, you know, my challenge to people who aren't into foreign movies is like, this is a good place to start, I would say. Yeah. This is a good place to get interested in these, you know, get interested in movies that are outside your comfort zone because really they're kind of inside your comfort zone. You know, <laughs> like these movies are totally comfortable to watch. I think almost anybody can... Well, I mean, not in necessarily the themes or how violent or how. Oh, yeah, I will. Are, but... I will speak for maybe uh, <laughs> a more casual. They're pretty out there. I'd say they're pretty. Yeah, out there, for but... sure. But they're but they're still. I mean, they're they're um, wrapped in the trappings of something of a film that you might have seen once. You know. Yeah, I would say it's nothing close to like like boring out there. I'm not saying it's like like some of the french films that we've watched or like out there in the sense of like i know we bring this up a lot but like monica mana being like it's out there because it's just uh, like it's just a it's a pain to get through it's so boring right um no i i think that these movies there i i i do believe that there are a lot of american appreciators who haven't explored like our Hollywood appreciators who haven't explored this area and they totally love it. I think, I think that's, yeah. that's clear. I want to slap a rating on this movie, Cameron, and I'm going to try to do my best. I really wanted to give parasite like for the casual, but I gave mother for the casual. And I actually think that parasite is more approachable than mother. This one, I, I can't help it. I feel like it's, it's for everyone. It's going to be, kind of in your face if you're really just a marvel movie watching slub like an absolute like <laughs> you know neanderthal neanderthal or whatever right i i mean like i just i, I feel like it might shock you a little bit but like I, I it really like i think that this movie is just kinetic exciting it's it's great i, I juliana gave it like what four or 3.5 out of five like that's what she gave it she was like yeah that was pretty good you know even though she was like i didn't i didn't like love every moment of it but she was drawn into it and you know i asked her like out of five i was like it's probably gonna be a two or something but she was pretty positive on it um so if jules can sit through it you know what that means you know i feel like <laughs> that's a pretty good sign that it can be for everyone you know um yeah. Yeah, this this movie won its awards, and I think it earned it. It definitely it definitely earned it. Um, I don't I don't have much else to say other than that. I was really really fascinated by this film, Cameron. Any anything else you want to add? I know I keep derailing you in the middle. I just I'm no so, no no I'm no. Yeah. Um, no, I'm glad that you really liked it because I knew I I had no. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I kind of figured that you would like this movie just in yeah. the way that it's, 
it has broad appeal. It it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say even if you are just a Marvel movie, um, you know, watching slub, a, a complete Neanderthal, as you said, <laughs> um, I think I, I, you know, I don't know a lot of Neanderthals, obviously, but I am, I know people who just genuinely don't care about movies who watch, you know, uh, who, who watch, like I said, Marvel movies once a year who will watch like the Loki TV show and be like, yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, <laughs> I know a lot of people like that and who, you know, who also saw this movie and were, were blown away by it and loved it and, you know, wanted to come back and were excited to talk about it, wanted to come back and, and say like, Oh, did you guys see parasite? You know, like that's yeah. something that is, it, it's rare when that happens. It's rare when something like that sort of catches fire. And I think this movie definitely did that. So yeah, I would, I would agree. It's for everybody. Um, it deserves a lot of the hype that it gets. And I would say it's probably one of the best, best picture movies in the last, I don't know. The, uh, or, uh, maybe one of the most deserving best picture movies in the last like 30 years. It's, it's definitely up there. So, well, so, I mean, I don't mean to drag this on, but I was kind of confused. Like, is this, are foreign movies allowed in the Oscars? Cause what yeah. aren't our French have French films won? I've never known. I never knew if they did. Um, I think there are only a handful of English non-language or, non-english language movies that have won oscars let me mm. let me just look that up real quick yeah I, of course i, I was because i was kind of fascinated by that but the from the early moments of watching this this movie i was like yeah like this is totally this is claim it's 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 it it deserves the award right away you know it's like it's high budget it's beautiful it's i don't know if it's high budget it just feels high budget it looks <laughs> incredible you know um it's it's a genuine like i don't know like i was just excited watching it and i I was happy to see it through there's not a lot of movies that i can sit through and be like i'm excited every moment all the way through this movie do you know what i mean yeah Um, yeah i do i do most of the time i'm like oh like it's surprising me impress me you know most of the time, I'm like, don't waste my time, is how I feel about most films. Right. And this movie was nothing but kind of like just joy, you know? I think everybody on set had a lot of, I don't know, like everybody seemed happy to be there when they were acting as well. They were so into the roles and stuff, so. Yeah. No, that that is true. And, you know, I think, I don't know. I think you can tell that Bong Joon-ho is kind of having fun on his yes. sets. You know, you can tell that these these movies are are very, you know, he's good at making them. Uh, yeah. I guess I'll say. Yes. Um, yeah. So there are, I believe, thirteen films that were mm. nominated for Best Picture, and Parasite is the first that uh, to win. Yes, um, that's that's what I remember hearing that it was like the first one. That- yeah, but they, there were. I mean, since the 30s there were uh movies that um you know that have been nominated so it it isn't unprecedented necessarily but it is it is the first to win best picture um i will say though technically technically the artist which is a silent film 
is a French movie. Um, although it's a silent film, so it doesn't really count because it's it's not technically English language. But it did win Best Picture, so um, I just want to put it out there. Uh, you know, it it is technically a French movie. So <laughs> I don't know about silent movies. I don't know about that. Well, we're gonna do a silent movie month at one, uh, at some point. So <laughs> does that mean like no music at all or anything? No, there's music. Oh, We've watched silent that. movies before. No, I know. I just. Yeah, I wasn't too big on them. <laughs> I'd love to see a silent movie that had like a synth soundtrack. You know what I mean? Like something that was just like really like, like not like that dumb carousel music that they always play in silent movies, you know? <laughs> like, let's do something a little different than like, than like that, you know? <laughs> it's kind of hard for me to feel like I'm... Uh, excited to watch a silent movie when it's like it brings me back to my old stupid job at the carousel it's out of tune you know (laughs) oh man okay well i think we've gone on for long enough cameron it's been a pleasure this month i've been excited um i feel like a lot of good energy with this podcast i'm excited to go into october shout out to darren o'neill i know he loves horror month and I like good horror. I'm a very snobby horror appreciator. I want his Rex. Um, Darren, email us or send us a message. Just text me. Just text to, me, Darren. To, give, give me your Rex because yeah. I, I have kind of a roadmap, but I don't have like, I don't have every every movie that, you know, I'm thinking about. I think, uh, like I said, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun month. Yeah, yeah. It, it will be good. I mean, I'm excited for it. Again, you can check us out, patreon.com slash ECFS productions. If you enjoy the show, we appreciate you just getting this far. You don't have to give us any money. You, you made it to the end of the episode. Come on. That's that's far that's that's far enough. If you want to, you can. You don't have to. What is uh, more important than giving us money is giving us well, not more important, but what is also <laughs> important in addition to giving us money is subscribing to us on YouTube, uh commenting in the comment section, liking it. Um, and I think we should put up, we should, you know, uh, we should, we should always mention that we have a YouTube channel and we do post the, uh, the videos on Wednesdays. So, okay. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll keep, you know, we'll try to shill it in there at the beginning. Let's add it to the script, Cameron. Believe it or not, this show has a script. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically one page of terrible notes. That's not updated per episode. Um, and it's just reminds us to say things and half the time we forget it. So, um, yeah. Okay. Well, we post every Monday or maybe Tuesday. We haven't decided yet. Um, usually we post Monday. I'm going to keep trying to, but with my new work schedule, it might be better for Tuesday. We'll let you know on social media and Patreon and everything. If we change it, we've been talking about it. Nobody has said anything to us that that would be a bad thing. (laughs) So uh, what's new? Cameron and I might switch it to Tuesday. All right. Uh, You guys have a good one. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill and Tim Smith for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners. So we thank you for all your kindness and support. Mm -hmm.